Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Hello, 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 and welcome once again to ESSR Central here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. My name's Ross McLeod, and get ready for a show with more flair than the St. Johnson away end at Dens Park, designed <laughs> by David Campbell. Woo! I'm so happy to be here. Maybe that's not the culturally, you know, time bit of thing that I should have done there with that woo coming in. Yeah, not, uh, not that sort of flair. Yeah, he's under a lot of speculation right now, Ross, but the only speculation the listeners of ESSR should have is how good this show is going to be, because it's hard to follow John Isherwood. I'm a big Isherwood fan, he's a sexy guy, all right, but I'm back on sexual with a purpose, and that's to make this show great again, so let's get into it. I I don't think you've ever interacted with John Isherwood. John's he's my best be friend, historically. Like, where have you been? Like, me and John, why in, mate? Why in? <laughs> okay, okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> as we we comb through the tweets and Facebook posts to see how many times David has harassed John Isherwood, <laughs> we would like you to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. That's Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. And of course, if you want interviews, reviews, news and previews, Follow us, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. Well, 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 Dave. Once we've got that out of the way, it's been a it's a busy old week in the land of the graps. It has. A lot has been going on, Ross. And uh, to be fair, it's hard to keep up with everything these days. You know what I mean? You've got you've got all these companies doing different things, and then AEW ups our games to WWE's like, we need to follow. I don't know how we're going to cover all this tonight. You do you do God's work in this show, Ross. I have to say that. Uh, I really do. I really am. You know, fake <laughs> cleanliness is next to godliness. I think it's it's just adjacent <laughs> to McLeod. <laughs> I love it. Not that I'm pulling my own pisser here. <laughs> Get that image out of your mind, listeners. Um, well, we're talking about things that have been, but why don't we talk about things that are coming? Because Extreme Rules is this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Big E is WWE champion. He's been yes. doing great work on Raw and SmackDown. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have a match for this Sunday. The The main attraction, the main match this Sunday is the Demon Finn Balor against Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. We talked about AEW doing good things, meaning WWE is doing good things. Do you think they're going to save the Lashley, uh, Big E, big blow-off for TV? Or do yes. you think it will be added to Extreme Rules before this Sunday? No, I, I can see something happening in Extreme Rules. Um, certainly an interaction of some kind. Maybe, you know, a brawl throughout the night, throughout the arena, because there's a, there's a lack of Extreme on this Extreme Rules pay-per-view, Ross, right now. So I wouldn't mind if we got to see, you know, big men slap meat, as Biggie likes to say, throughout the backstage, hitting each other with chairs and trash cans, maybe going around the arena stuff like that, maybe a bit of cinematic wrestling to throw in there, you know. But I think Reigns versus the Demon is a big enough match that that stands, that fills the main event slot. You want to give that the proper amount of time to breathe. Big matches in the card as well, including Becky Lynch versus Bianca. That'll be a good one. And you've got Flair versus Bliss, Priest versus Hardy and Sheamus. I don't think there's really room for Big E and Lashley 
on this card, apart from backstage segments fighting each other through the crowd. I would like stuff like that, but I don't mind saving WWE title matches for Raw. I actually think it's the thing that's been lost in recent years in the era of absentee champions like Brock Lesnar, if you get what I mean. No, absolutely. I get exactly what you mean. Um, yeah. Uh, also, to your point of the lack of extreme on the Extreme Rules uh, pay-per-view, <laughs> WWE seems to have this weird thing. When Extreme Rules started, when TLC started, it was a case of there will be a table match, there will be a ladder match, there will be a chairs match, there will be a TLC match. Mm-hmm. Now it seems to be every match is a singles match. There is two TLC matches. Yeah. Like, <laughs> every... There is no tables matches, there is no matches, there's no... T- and then ex- the one night a year we go to the extreme. Yeah, in one match. One like, match. And it doesn't, it doesn't really count if you have a, like a no DQ match at the next pay-per-view. I know. Like this, this pay-per-view, I think, is a victim of other themed pay-per-views. That you kind of need to keep the ladders for money in the bank. And then the only other time they break out the ladders is WrestleMania. And then mm-hmm. the tables and the chairs matches are safe for TLC. I know, but there's an easy way to solve that, Ross. Like, like you say, just make every match no DQ. You know what I mean? At the very yeah. least, like, do that, you know, because there's enough variety with that stipulation that it's not going to get old. You know what I mean? You're not going to see two people, you know, getting bumps off ladders or something like that. There's producers backstage to prevent that happening for a reason, you know. So I, I, I think they shoot themselves in the foot. It's a very easy fix to the problem. Yeah, I, I do agree with you there. But it's just it's frustrating to see what it used to be and then see what it is now. I know that could be said about WWE as a whole to be honest. Because <laughs> it was born out of like one night stand, the ECW pay-per-views, you know what I mean? Like it was yeah. born that was the slot it filled in the calendar initially, uh, when things progressed forward. Um and you think back to those shows, you know what I mean? Like it's night and day compared to what it is now. Yeah, it is it's quite frustrating to be honest with you. But um I do look forward to Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns. Do we mm. think... I, I asked John about this, um, your good friend John Isherwood, close personal Sexy friend. John. Sexy John, yeah. Um, if, if he sees... Because, bear in mind, Crown Jewel, it's been announced, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. The tagline mm. is, it's happening no matter what the result in the ex- uh, Extreme Rules. So essentially, it's yeah. not a universal title match. It's a grudge match between Brock and Roman. Does Brock get involved and cost Roman the title? Does Brock get involved and cost Finn to give Finn a way out from losing as the demon? Or is Brock not involved at all? Yeah, I don't think you want to pay Brock for this night. Uh, I think you don't need him either. You know, you've got the demon there. And I'll be honest, I don't mind the demon losing to Roman. Because right now, Roman's on the run of his career. You know, and he needs believable threats. I think the only problem with this was the announcement coming too early because Balor should be a roadblock for Roman. It shouldn't be something we take for granted. And I think the issue is you're trying to plant seeds of doubt in the mind here, Ross. Like, uh, you're playing into this. Like, there is a scenario where the Demon could walk out with the Universal Championship. But I think it's it's very, very unlikely that happens. I think Roman is going to have a tough, long, competitive match against the Demon, come out with the win, and then we move on to this story with Brock. But WWE just sort of shot their load too early, uh, so to speak, and just like, oh, we have Brock versus Roman, let's promote it. Forgetting the fact that they're basically, as much as they try and, you know, underplay, oh, it's happening no matter what. 
they've spoiled the that they've spoiled the result of this match for me. I, I can't see it going any other way. Yeah, well, fair enough. Um, other matches in the card, obviously, the triple threat for the US title. I think that could be fun. Again, something that could have been in a ladder match, oh. given Jeff Hardy's history. But here's hoping we get some stipulations added soon. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because someone, I can't remember what I was watching, but someone suggested like they did with the Halloween Havoc for NXT. They had spin the wheel, make a deal, like half a wheel for the stipulations on the night. You know what I mean? Make it interesting. That would be fun. That could be cool. Um, you're talking about, obviously, Halloween Havoc, NXT. That takes us right on to our next story. Uh, NXT, it's said to be an edgier sort of different product to Raw and SmackDown. Uh, Vince apparently wants it to have a different feel to it. Um, a lot was made. I don't know if you've seen it online, folks. Go look. Apparently, like... There was 30 minutes of wrestling on a two-hour show. I don't think this is news for WWE. They always have, like, 40 minutes of wrestling on a three-hour show, you know what I mean? Um, so an edgier sort of product, new faces coming in, shorter match time. I'm in two minds because I did think NXT was getting a bit stale. The Performance Center era mm-hmm. was kind of hampering it. I felt, obviously, the takeovers were losing the fact that there was there's no ravenous crowds there. That yeah. being said, people complaining here, oh my God, an edgier product and shorter match times, that will never work. Meanwhile, they're clamouring for the Attitude Era to return. It's like... A hundred percent. Your cake and eat it too. Yeah, and you have to introduce these new characters because I was apprehensive at first, Ross, but I've actually bought into this sort of NXT 2.0 as it's been branded recently because I think that... We did need a fresh injection of characters in that NXT roster. It was getting stale. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, oh, this battle that's coming out between Hit Row and Legado Del Fantasma, I know they are carry-ons, you know what I mean? But that's a good thing. You're showcasing these new talents in there. I looked at the debut of Joe Gacy this week and I've seen a lot of people hating it, saying, oh, this is what DDP was doing in the early 2000s. Do you honestly think that a lot of the younger fans remember DDP's WWE run from the early 2000s, do they buggery? You know what I mean? This is something new for a new generation, a new demographic they're trying to target. And I liked his gimmick. I thought it was quite freaky. You know what I mean? When he's going about uh, like male privilege and stuff like that. And I, it was fun. Fun to me. I'm having fun with this new NXT roast. I think that people yeah. are getting too uppity about change and it's not the way it was before. Of course, it's not going to be the way it was before. Adam Cole's buggered off the AEW, and he was the the cornerstone of the brand like for the last like several years. You know what I mean? Of course, things had to change, and I think that uh, we can't make a judgment for the long term yet. But I like the way it's going in the early stages. We're talking about shorter match times. Back when it was full sale, it used to be you would have like you'd have the opening promo. It would be someone involved in either the tag title feud, the women's title feud, or the men's title feud. It would, because we never had a mid-card title back then, you would then have a short match, usually a debuting superstar or someone who's only had two or three matches. Mm -hmm. You'd then maybe have an established person who was involved in the feud from the from whoever cut the promo. But they they always Mm -hmm. made it different. So if the women's champion cut the promo mm-hmm. then next week the women's contender would be in this match but the week before it would be the male contender and then the male champion would open the show the next week 
There would always be someone on screen, and then you would have a main event that was always really good, a fun TV main event, and yeah. that was sort of the NXT. And that's sort of the, the format they're going for here. And, you know, we talk about fresh injections. You used to be... Someone was there two, three years tops. That's your Ty Dillinger, in which case you stayed there for five months, eh, five years. Sorry. <laughs> um, he so you had these people, and then when they lost the NXT title, they would either go straight up to the main roster, or they would put over the new champion at the next takeover, like three months later. So they would stick around for three more months, yeah, and then that, that was it. You know what I mean? Like Bobby Roode. Um, he showed up in Smackdown SummerSlam weekend after losing to Drew came back says I've got some issues to deal with uh, Roddy Strong says no I'm, me and you are going to face an normal contenders match Roddy Strong beat him Roddy Strong's a new contender Bobby Roode leaves and yeah. it was always that fresh injection 100% 100% and it was the same with Banks as well that's what worked about Sasha and Bailey because they played on that after Bailey beat Banks for the title. Uh, like she came back for the rematch, but she was on Raw at the time. You know what I mean? Um, so, like, it's the exact way, it's the way it's meant to work. And no one got used to this era of NXT where it's, oh, it's all the indie pals hanging out. That's gone. That's AEW now, boys. All right. You need to go back to something else. You need to go back to this development system. And I quite like the talent that we've seen so far. So, yeah, I'm very much open to seeing what happens next. Do you think it was a mistake? I, I, I spoke to John Ashwood about this. Um, <laughs> he's not going to come back in this show. He's going to be scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I spoke about how uh, Bronson uh, Beaker beat, um, beat LA Knight in the opening match. Yeah. And then when Kyle O'Reilly got taken out of the match, thank God, um, mm-hmm. they had... The new guy, uh, was it Van Halen or Van Van Halle? I, I can't, can't remember his name. Yeah. The, the big, there you go, that's how much an impact he made on me. But, but <laughs> Bronson earlier in the night. Van B- Wagner. Van Wagner. Van oh. Wagner, there we are. Yes. But we've watched X Factor, so we know it's Van Wagner. So. <laughs> anyway, um... Enough about Wagner and Stavos and Flatley. Anyway, <laughs> was it maybe a mistake not putting Bronson in, in to be the replacement since he beat LA Knight? And then, even if you still have Champa win, you don't have to take, have Bronson take the pin. You can have Bronson later on in the night still do the stare down with Champa. No, no. I like, I like Bron Brecker. I think he's good. And I think that you built him the way you built Batista up uh, back in like the early noughties, wherein you have this guy who's on the boil, who's an animal, animal for lack of a better term, who looks destructive, and keep him away from that belt for a wee bit. Let it simmer. Let this be a slow burn, a slow build to Braun Brecker getting that opportunity. And I know what you're saying about him beating LA Knight. That would be the more logical thing to do. But for me, that was a signal that LA Knight was getting called up to Raw or SmackDown. And the draft is the prediction I'd make. So just have Ellie Knight put over as many people as possible uh, before he <laughs> before he maybe moves on. Um, but yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying, Ross. But for me, it was the right decision to have like even this question in the fans' minds because the fact that you're saying oh Bron Brecker should have been in that spot that's already making an impression. You're thinking about him. Oh, he should be a contender for the NXT title, and now you want to see it more. 
you know what I mean, because of that. So I actually agree with the decision ultimately. Fair enough. Um, so from the current NXT crop to a former NXT tag and cruiserweight champion, Buddy Murphy. Mm-hmm. Apparently, AEW has passed on signing Buddy Murphy. What are your thoughts on that? I think um, the thing was, I was at that press call for uh, Tony Khan, when Tony Khan was given a couple of weeks ago, and someone asked him, like, how many people is uh, too many? And he was like, oh, no, that's not su- that's no such thing. Uh, we would sign as many talented people as we want, but I, I think he's a downright liar in saying that, Ross, to be honest with you. <laughs> there is obviously a point where you have too many big names in our roster. Um, and you can't accommodate all of them. And I think Grant put it the best in our group chat earlier. He goes to AEW, he gets lost in the shuffle. There's a lot of wrestlers there like Buddy Murphy. And I know he's a very good wrestler and he has a lot to give, but they have the best wrestlers in the world, uh, some of them over there at that company right now. I think he goes to Impact. I think he goes to New Japan or something like that, somewhere else where he can really ply his trade, really put on five-star matches because that's what got Buddy Murphy to the prominent position we know him in today. It was performances like his performance against Roman Reigns in the SmackDown main event that really got people noticing Murphy. Um, so that's what I'd like to see from him. Go away, be a main event or somewhere else, and then let's see when the calls start coming in from there. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I don't disagree with that. I think I, I've been very vocal the past few weeks on Central saying... AEW, it's great. It's it's fun. It's the shiny new toy. You know what I mean? It, like it's sort of like the night after WrestleMania when you know five NXT guys show up and Raw. Yeah. But you know the the proof is in the pudding when there's three of them in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal next WrestleMania. Yeah. You know what I mean? So exactly. It, it's that sort of thing. Like yeah, there might be you know CM Punk comes in, but yeah, Brian Cage moves down further. Daniel Bryan comes in, Lance Archer moves down further. Mm. Adam Cole comes in, Ricky Starks moves down further. You know what I mean? Like people move further down the card who might have been pushing up. And look, I'm not not saying for a minute when given the opportunity, AEW shouldn't have signed CM Punk, Adam Cole, or Brian Danielson. Of course they, they they should have, but it's just a case of something WWE get accused of was hoarding talent. WWE has three brands, AEW has one, and, you know, I, I don't care what anyone says, no one watches Dark and Dark Elevation. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. And I agree with you. And I think for the most part, they've managed to, like, with the launch of Rampage, they are doing better for me right now than WWE were maybe in, like, the 2010s when we had the entire roster competing on both Raw and SmackDown. Because if you remember, Ross there got to a point where SmackDown was clearly the B-show and it yeah. wasn't necessary to view that. It felt, you know, sort of separate, exhilarated what was happening on the sort of main storyline in Raw. I think AEW have done really well so far in making Rampage feel must-watch and, like, it's part of the ongoing story and equal to Dynamite in most ways. But they do need to be careful going forward um, with what you say because there's only so many hours they have of TV to try and get all their major players in that. For example, I have Orange Cassidy in the draft. I'm not getting many points from that bastard recently because he's <laughs> not got time to show up in Dynamite. You know what I mean? So that's great. That's, 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 it's not great at all. But that's the evidence you look at um, and say... Maybe you do need to slow your roll, and I think ultimately, like I said, they made the right decision in not signing Buddy Murphy or Matthews or whatever he's going by now. Yeah. Um, 
from a star of the future to a star of the past, um, <laughs> we, we referenced how Ric Flair might not be someone yeah. you want to be referenced to. Uh, Tommy Dreamer, suspended by Impact Wrestling for his comments on Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, I think um, Tommy Dreamer made a gross uh, misjudgment in making the comments in the way that he did and presenting the story in the manner that he did and it appeared as though he was uh, excusing um, the sexual misconduct of Ric Flair during the episode and whatever your feelings or not whether you thought it was edited in a way to make Tommy look bad or whatever you thought of his comments a lot of people are really offended by them uh, rightfully so in my opinion a lot of people didn't agree with them and it's bad publicity for Impact to keep Tommy Dreamer so I think Impact didn't really have another decision to make you cannot have a guy who is really no one wants to touch him with a large stick uh, covered in shit right now <laughs> you know what I mean they can't have someone like associated with your company it's just uh, bad vibes all around yeah absolutely um I was going to actually bring up an example. So, in the in the west of Scotland, obviously, are big two football teams, and it tends to be whenever there's never really a story as severe as this, but like whenever a story breaks mm-hmm. about the behaviour of a certain footballer from one side of the Glasgow Divide, it seems to be there'll be whatever side it is, there'll be a certain support section of the support on his side, being like, oh, what's he like? Or, oh, come on. Oh, that's just, insert player's name here. Yeah. That's sort of the way Tommy Dreamer lined his comments. Like, oh, well, oh, that's Rick. What's that's he like? Rick. Yeah, but he was playing it off as if it was some sort of, like, angle, as if he was in character. I mean, it's like, oh, that's the nature boy. That's wheeling and dealing. Like, bitch, that's his persona. That's his gimmick. You know what I mean? Like, you don't go around... I don't see The Undertaker going around chokeslamming cunts in public. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's oh, like... I it's, love that so much. It's, it's honestly ridiculous what he was saying. Like, when you really break it down, oh, that's him wheeling and dealing. What's he like? No, fuck off, mate. Like, someone tries to come up and chop me in public, I'm giving them a slap in the face back. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think... Gary Kernan, you're listening to that. <laughs> Your good friend Gary Kernan outside an ICW event. I was I was minding my own business when the drunken dick ran up to me and went, Woo! As loud as he could and chopped me as hard as he could. Oh listen, Ross, that's Gary, you know, wheeling and dealing, you know, the lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> um You know who I think's got off quite lightly here is uh, Jim Ross. Jim yeah. Ross's comments were, Oh well if you know Rick, you know it's time to leave and you just let him get on with it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Instead of stopping them. But that's that's, the thing with JR is that he's older than Dreamer, and I'm not making the excuses for him, you know what I mean? But there there does get to a point where it's just like, at what what stage are you talking to a wall? And it's like, we know that JR's come, like, he's not exactly the best speaker in the world right now you know what I mean so I think there's probably a segment of the fan base who's just like oh he didn't choose his words carefully enough it's just him being you know not being able to pick his words rather than him you know meaning any malice behind it but I don't know you are probably right I need to look at JR's comments again yeah I think 
I think you know there does come a time where you're like, right, let's start holding accountable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think that's the thing with the wrestling industry. Obviously, you had the speaking out movement and stuff like that, which was good because you're you know you're clearing out all the all the pests and the perverts and the like the criminals you know uh, that are currently active at that point. But how far back will we go? You know, with the historic stuff, you've got a dark side of the ring like this coming out and people are saying about Dreamer and Flair and all that and rightfully so, these men have now suffered the repercussions, but I do think there'll be a lot of other people in the industry who will be worried about what the next dark side of the ring episode will be if you know what I mean. I have enjoyed the memes of like things closing in on people and it's like dark side of the ring and then insert name here. Yeah, JBL has been the big one I've seen going around. But the thing is, yeah. like, the, surely there's nothing new about JBL. We all know he's a bit, he's been a bully, you know, in the past. Like, yeah. sh- like, surely there's nothing else on that man, you know. So I don't think those memes really work. Um, but we'll see, see what happens. Well, um, according to sources I don't, I don't actually know who broke the story on it <laughs> that in a minute, according to your personal sources we are breaking this here according here. to me because <laughs> i want to talk about it <laughs> uh grand metalique who's currently under contract to wwe until 2023 has asked for his release david mm. your thoughts yeah uh, let him go um, I think we're talked about WWE hoarding talent. They have done nothing with Grand Metalik. Grand Metalik is a really good performer. If you've seen his work in the sort of the initial cruiserweight classic tournament, um, he's been with the company a long time, but they haven't really let the brakes come off of that man. Um, and I do think that at this point in his career, you know, we've got a pretty penny for his work in WWE so far. Like he just wants to go out there and wrestle. He's seen the work that people are doing elsewhere, and he's sitting and catering, thinking. My years are being wasted. Let him go. WWE, you're not doing anything with him. You will not do anything with him in the future. So keeping Grand Metal League to me would be a nonsensical move from WWE. Yeah, I think every single time they try to go into the Rey Mysterio market, it doesn't work. I don't think you need a mask. Obviously, WWE want it for merchandising. But look, Mm -hmm. everyone knows who Kane is. Everyone knows who Rey Mysterio is. You can sell those masks all day long. You want the next big Latin talent? Let's just go with Dominic. Eh? Let's just go Rey Mysterio's son. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like they'll be putting a mask on him as well. That was something I've I seen this week, um, that he might uh, be donning a mask for an, a, a heel turn coming up, which I'd be quite interested in, to be honest with you, because <laughs> I think uh, I think Dom looks really nice and probably he looks too nice to be a baby face so stick a big ugly mask in his mug you know what I mean and that might work we'll see <laughs> I actually seen a thing if it was um, it's actually a really good talk as Jericho because he doesn't talk as much on it it's, uh, Lance, <laughs> it's Lance Storm uh, and he's talking about the Storm Wrestling Academy the likes of you know, Chelsea Green Tyler Breeze right. uh, I believe the Iconics were there as well mm-hmm. Um talking about the people that he thinks could have done more and all that. And he was talking about uh, Dominic Mysterio trained with him for a while. And he said, I'm so glad Dominic is six foot one and not five foot six like his dad, because had he been five foot six, he would have had a mask put on him and been called Ray Mysterio Jr. Jr. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think it's not the worst thing to carry on that legacy 
eventually, I don't think. But at this early stage of his career, he, Dominic Mysterio has gotten over as a character in his own right. And I think he's commendable when you consider his age, the relative lack of experience he had. And the fact that now is really... He's, he started his wrestling career not performing in front of crowds, and that can't have been easy. He's really come into his own in the pandemic era, and now we're coming out of that. Now we're hearing the fan reactions to Dominic. I think the sky's the limit for him, but I'll be interested to see what he does with his character going forward, because it doesn't feel like he has one right now, apart from being Rey Mysterio's nice son. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, so... Uh, Victory Road, uh, Christian Cage successfully retained the Impact World Championship against Mm -hmm. Ace Austin. Um, Josh Alexander then approached Christian and informed him that uh, he would be vacating his X Division Championship, a title he has held for well over a year, I believe. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it's been a while. I'm just actually double-checking the exact times. I think he he won it at... Oh no no! It was April twenty fifth at Rebellion. He won the title. Yeah, April. So he's held it since April. He's held it all through the summer. One hundred and forty five days. He's held it. He's defended it multiple times. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought he'd held it longer than that. It just feels longer, maybe because yeah, you know what it is. It's about that WrestleMania time. You know what I mean? And then. WrestleMania post WrestleMania drags, and then you've got SummerSlam and Money in the Bank, so that's yeah, quite 100%. cool. So then everything else happening in wrestling feels a million <laughs> times longer. Yeah, I think um, Josh Alexander, he's held the title 145 days. He's announced he's cashing in Option C. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll be vacating the Impact Wrestling X Division title and challenging at Bound for Glory, the biggest show of the year, for the Impact World Championship. This to me is how you build a star. Mm-hmm. You have him um, the mid card title. I know Tony Khan doesn't like that. <laughs> he he went straight from the tag titles to the X Division title, and I want to see him go straight for the world title because Josh Alexander, when Ethan Page decided to follow the money, break up the North and go AEW, everyone thought, "What's going to happen to Josh Alexander?" And we're a fair bit on from that now. And Josh Alexander is the one who's came out looking like the star. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. And I managed to watch the match they had with Chris Sabin uh, to defend the X X Division title and at Victory Road. And it was fantastic. The man can work beyond belief. He has a great look. I love the, the amateur wrestling headgear, um, like a, ho- a homage to Rick Steiner, as it were, with that one. His C4 finisher looks brutal. It looks brutal, and it's so good for a man his size as well, but it's the speed with which he performs the move that I really think, I really like, and it gives it a bit of impact. And you're right, this is about building stars, and I have to say, I love Option C. I've always loved it um, ever since. I believe it was... Who was it? Um, What was his... um, what was his name, Ross? Austin? Oh, it was... Um, Austin Aries. I couldn't remember Austin, Austin. Austin. I couldn't remember Austin Aries' name. I keep thinking Ace Austin. I was like, that's a different guy entirely. Um, but I loved when Austin Aries cashed it in. It made him a star. Uh, they really followed the same sort of formula, the same blueprint uh, for making Austin Aries a main event or an impact as they're doing 
with Josh Alexander to the present day. And you're right, he should beat Christian. He should be the one to take that impact title off of Christian. Christian doesn't need a long impact title reign. His job, what where his focus should be, is over in AEW. That's the company he should be in. Impact needs a champion who is theirs. They need a star who is theirs. They need someone they can build the company around. And I, I do agree with you. I think that's Josh Alexander. I'm just saying here, he's, so it's, yeah, I think it's well over a year, so round about the time of 2020's um, Slammiversary, mm-hmm. he, uh, I believe Ethan Page showed up in like, was it the November sort of, it was the Brass Ring ladder match, wasn't it? Yeah. Ethan Page showed up, so it's been well over a year that he's been on his own, and you know, we talk about big stars resulting in people being put into the mid-card. You know, Scorpio Skies went from... Sorry, he's, Ethan Page went from single star to teaming with Scorpio Sky and, like, uber-serious thing to being like, oh, we're money, we're money, we're wearing loud shirts and sunglasses and we're part of this MMA shoot. Yeah. Um, which, ironically, the MMA shoot stable suits Josh Alexander better. <laughs> Josh Alexander, he's worked his way up. 60-minute uh, Ironman matches against TJP, uh, winning Ultimate X, uh, defeating people like Chris Sabin, who also invoked Option C, yeah. uh, against Bully Ray. So, yeah, Christian Cage does not need a long title run. They needed to get the best off of Kenny Omega. They needed a big pop for the first episode of Rampage they needed a way to get Christian Cage back into Impact, they've done all that now finish the job and make the first proper Impact star, because I don't think there's been a proper Impact star who people only know from Impact in a while, not since the likes of AJ mm-hmm. Styles has there been yeah. a star of that calibre you know probably, what I mean? I'd Every probably other reach it as far as 80s, I'd probably reach it as far as Austin 80s um, well, even then, he he's more known for Ring of Honor, whereas mm-hmm. although AJ Styles was in Ring of Honor, he's far more known for TNA. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I think I think that's the key. It's like you're talking about. He's a homegrown talent. Do you know his, whose career actually mirrors in a really strange way? If you look at uh, Booker T's career in WCW... Um, yeah. like going from the tag title scene really successful tag team like the pinnacle of that division and now breaking out in his own you know into the big time and I think this could be his crowning moment you look at what Booker's first WCW title run sort of did for him and the, the, the heights that led to I think this could really be the rocket strapped to Josh Alexander if they pull the trigger now yeah no absolutely um you're talking about Booker T. Actually, I've just seen a story here that he believes Braun B- uh, Breaker should already be on the main roster. It's hard to disagree with him. He has a great look, to be fair. <laughs> I really enjoy Braun Breaker, but to be fair, Booker does uh, like that show, the Hall of Fame, with Brad Gilmore like five times a week. So he does. He says a lot of stuff. So take it with a pinch of salt. <laughs> this is my big five, number forty-six. <laughs> Um, so AEW Full Gear 2021 is apparently set to take place in Minneapolis, Minnesota Uh, Full Gear was originally planned Saturday, November 6th uh, in St. Louis but the date was changed to Saturday, November 13th due to the UFC 268 pay-per-view taking place on November 6th Um, 
Tony Khan indicated during a post-all-out media scrum that St. Louis would no longer be the location. Minneapolis had been rumoured. So Minneapolis, smart, isn't it? Because as much as we in the bubble think, oh, AEW, and it's doing great things, and my God, you know, look, look, look how good this is. We are still in a bubble. AEW is not overly mainstream yet. No. And it's certainly not going to do well up against UFC. No. And I do think that there, there is crossover between the UFC and wrestling. And I don't necessarily think that that crossover is most evident when it comes to the UFC and WWE. But I believe there is a greater amount of crossover between UFC and AEW just because of the more shoot style of wrestling, uh, the technical grappling ability that, that comes with it. I do think if you like UFC, you're more inclined to like the AEW product. So I do think it's a smart move. And you say they're, they're not mainstream yet. No, they're not, but they are getting there. Like they are getting there, and I will say this for AEW, their brand recognition and what they've managed to do in a really short space of time and building up that brand has been phenomenal. And maybe leave it one or two years, they don't make this move. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe they stick to their guns, maybe they know that they have the drawing power available uh, to not have to uh, run away from the UFC. But you are right, as it stands right now, it's not something that makes business sense. And as far as they've done so far... Tony Khan has made very smart business decisions. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the G1 Climax has started. In, oh, here we go. Uh, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, Tetsuya Naito uh, is out uh-huh. of the entire tournament with a knee injury. He has forfeited all of his matches. He will be marked as 0-9. Yeah. So everyone, everyone in the bracket has at least two points at the moment. Uh, match day one for A Block is now match day two. And we have... I'm stupid, sorry. So it's A Block, yeah, A Block. Yeah, he was in A Block because... A Block, yeah. The and opening B-block match is... that, that Naito had, Ross, was a, was a Matt Classic against Zack <laughs> Sabre Jr., uh, which ended by submission. 27 minutes on the clock. It was really something special. You must go and check it out. Um... But it's a shame to see Knight will come out the G1. I'm surprised that they made the decision they did to just have him out of the tournament rather than bring a replacement in. Because they easily could have done that. Like, only what he'd only competed in one match. So that was something they could have done. But I don't know, it might be saving time or, or COVID protocols or really maybe they couldn't be arsed to find a replacement. I don't know. I don't know why the decision was made that way. Um, but you know, it'll be interesting to see how this affects any plans that they had going forward. Yeah, um, just looking at the, the block, I think a lot of their big stars were in it and a lot of, obviously you mentioned COVID protocols, you mentioned obviously Daniel Bryan, who Vince McMahon was going to offer late work in the G1 Climax. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just looking at A Block at the minute, Great Okan, 2-0, Shingo Takaki, 2-0, Toru Yano, 2-0, uh, Takahashi, 2-0, Kenta, as you call him. <laughs> Kenta! Uh, <laughs> I love him. 1-1, one one. Kota Bushi, 1-1, one one. Uh, Tangaloa, 1-1, one one. T- Tomohiro Ishii, 1-1, one one. and Zack Sabre Jr., 1-0. So obviously he's the, the leftover man in that block. He's not had his second match yet. 
Yeah. Uh, block two. Evil. Sanada. Both one and nil. Uh, tai Chi, one and oh. Uh, Okada, one and oh. Jeff Cobb, one and oh. And on zero points, Chase Owens, own one. Goto, own one. Tanahashi, own one. Tamatonga, own one. And Yoshihashi, own one. My next one is like, what the fuck is he doing? Well, the thing is, you need to have a look at this, uh, Ross, as well, because like the thing the thing with uh, Zack Sabre Jr., he is actually 2-0, oh, but they're just not counting the, the Naito match now because he, he beat Naito before he was injured. So, But he has since went on to defeat uh, Takagi. Uh, who is currently the I? Uh, who is currently the heavyweight champion of the company? So that is a very, very interesting thing. That did you look this up to try show up the East meets West people? <laughs> no, I just know. I'm a genuine fan. I don't know why people keep you know harping on. David Cameron doesn't know Japanese wrestling. I, I keep in with the no. You know what I mean? But I do think it's interesting because <laughs> usually. That if someone gets a pin over the world champion in the G1, it will lead to a sort of story down the line or maybe a title defence before the, the champion with the, the guy who pinned him between now and Wrestle Kingdom. And I do have to say, Takagi versus Zack Sabre Jr. for the IWGP heavyweight title, that sounds like a match that's going to put butts in seats to me. I think we'd be very excited about that one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just looking actually just announced on a special tour rampage tomorrow night. Uh, Adam Cole and the Young Bucks uh, reunite the Super Click to take on Christian and Jurassic Express. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, Jungle Boy's taking the pin, but that's a good match. That'll be, that'll be a good one. <laughs> I think he's more protect. I think it's going to be Luchasaurus that takes it. You think so? Old Lucha? I do. Could be. Could be. Because he's a, he's a big guy. You know what I mean? And I do have to say this, big guys don't usually fare well in AEW. So it could be him to look at and say, ah, you're over. It's like the anti-Vince McMahon. It's like, ah, you're over six. What? Ah, yeah, you're taking a pin tonight, big man. You're eating a pin. Cut you down to size. Uh, speaking of someone who was recently cut down to size and is out with a shoulder injury, sorry, an elbow injury for the foreseeable future, Nia Jax. Oh, good. Not, no, not good, right? <laughs> Hear me out, mate. You know me, right? We, I've been in, we've been doing this dance for a long time now, you know. <laughs> and there's one person that I've always got behind since she joined the WWE umbrella, and that is Shayna fucking Baszler. All right, and I love her. Her NXT run, I think, will go down for me as the best NXT women's run of all time. That's my opinion on that. I loved Shayna Baszler matches at that point. Her debut in the main roster, fantastic. Even her team with Nia at points was good. Shayna Baszler has not been used to her full potential yet on the main roster. And seeing Shayna break the arm of Nia on that steel step in Monday Night Raw, I can't tell you how much joy it gave me, Ross. Because it gave me hope. It gave me hope, sir, that we could see... The glory days of Shayna Baszler arise again on Monday Night Raw. We can see Shayna climb back to the pinnacle of women's wrestling, breaking arms, breaking jaws and fighting maws. That woman deserves the world. And Nia Jax, heal up soon. But I'm very excited about the future for Shayna Baszler at this point. Fair enough. After all that passion, fair enough. Ridiculous. Oh, I mean, what do you want me to say? Look, 
Oh brother, I tell you, my mate Emitas, my mate Emitas, is this like the is this like the mega powers you're talking about the dance we've been doing? Am yep. I the macho man to your Hogan? Never call me Hogan again. Maybe we're not the mega powers. Maybe we're like, you know what? You're my Will Schuster. All right, that's who you are. <laughs> I'm gonna create a central so toxic. <laughs> Uh, we talked about Jurassic Express and Christian against the Superclick. That match came out of AEW's Grand Slam uh, from New York City last night. An attendance of over 20,000 and a gate of over 1 million means they are the first wrestling company since 1999 that wasn't WWE to do that. A massive achievement for AEW. Yeah. Uh, pardon me. 20,177 fans exactly in attendance. Uh, Kenny Omega and Daniel Bryan goes to a time limit draw. Thoughts on that? Perfect booking. Perfect booking. Daniel's uh, Daniel's first match in uh, AEW did not disappoint. I've checked out most of this, a lot of the highlights, high impact stuff, stuff WWE wouldn't necessarily let him do uh, with his history of injuries. Kenny Omega proved why his character for me can sometimes get a bit grating, but proves why he's one of the best in-ring workers in the world yet again. And Ross, a time limit draw only means that we will see this again at a pay-per-view. And this is how you sell a pay-per-view match by them having a time limit draw in their opening contest. I think it's I think it's genius. I think it worked. And I think it was great that they opened the show because they did a similar thing with Punk's debut and Rampage. Don't have people anticipating something else for later in the night because that means they're not going to pay attention to whatever you're putting in front of them give them the big news now and in this case it was good because they let the women headline the event which is something AEW doesn't do nearly enough in my opinion Right, you talk about work rate and you talk about gender equality and you talk about CM Punk and New York crowds but David Mm -hmm. America's favourite son no, fuck off. The adrenaline was in my soul. Cody's blowing out his hole. Do a hole <laughs> to get them on their feet. <laughs> oh. The crowd is here, start to show, looking like a villain from a TV show. Home <laughs> comes out the crowd and all. Oh, oh. I was my kingdom. <laughs> his father, by the way, Dusty Rhodes, has he mentioned it recently? No, he hasn't recently because he's not been on TV, thankfully. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's, um, I'll say this. I'll say this much. All right. He lost. That's a good thing. <laughs> That's, he, he lost the match. He did the right thing. It wasn't the usual Cody Rhodes, America's hero. Bam, there's another villain down. I am a real American plays over the, uh, over the speakers. You know what I mean? He is worse. He is. Do you know what the worst thing is? Business-wise, Brandy Rhodes is so in touch. Like When AEW started, he knew the people wrestling fans wanted to see but he's just sort of touch when it comes to him it's so frustrating i know but i honestly believe that that night was an indication ross that there is a change coming with cody i think he is turning heel i, I don't think that the homelander attire was accidental or didn't come from a place of self-awareness to give the devil his due i think we are going to see a, a Cody Rhodes who doesn't acknowledge he's a bad guy on screen, but who 
will start having more heelish tendencies and then question why the fans aren't cheering them. I think we're moving in that direction. Uh, let me repeat that. I hope we are moving in that direction. <laughs> I'm going to say something and it's going to annoy some people and it's certainly, if you ever said it to Cody Rhodes, it would annoy him. Uh-huh. Because he's got such a chip on his shoulder about WWE. The best he's ever been booked was his disfigured Cody Rhodes. It's the best character he's ever done. And it was because someone else was behind the wheel. Mm. It wasn't just him. Because me and Grant talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Ring of Honor Cody Rhodes. When he had had that freedom, that burst of freedom. But Ring of Honor were like, hey, by the way, here's what's going to happen. You know what I mean? He he didn't have everything his own way. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of, I'm trying not to be too harsh, but I think a lot of Cody Rhodes' momentum when he left WWE was because he was like, you know, he he was the typical FWE guy. Yeah. And then goes to Japan and who does he get in with? He gets in with the cool, stable of the moment. He gets in with Bullet Club. He starts performing in Ring of Honor, which was 2018's AEW, you know, because that that was essentially the roster. Yeah. <laughs> AEW stole Ring of Honor's roster and yeah. WWE stole the other half. Yeah. And I think what we're seeing now and what's so frustrating is the fact that when you strip away the fact that Cody went to the cool in place and you strip away the fact that Cody got in with the cool in guys, you're seeing Cody Rhodes in his own and you're seeing right that's a problem, that's a problem, that needs worked on. And, hey, I'm, I'm going to have a pot shot at my own favourite wrestler, The Rock. He is his absolute worst when he's self-promoting. Yeah. Cody Rhodes is in that mould at the moment. A hundred percent. And I think that, the thing is, Ross, it worked so well when AEW was starting because he was promoting the company, you know what I mean? And it was all about AEW. And it was all about, this is what we need to do. We are the best. Ah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's gotten to the point where we need to switch up. We need this heel turn. We need something else from Cody because he's not a likable babyface. And it comes down to wrestling persona. I don't think Cody Rhodes will wrestle for years to come. I think that's why he likes to work with the guys coming in because he wants to make sure that the future of the company is strong. But I think what he needs to realise is that he can't keep doing the same thing like if for for example, if Braun Strowman signs for AEW and the first thing he does is take out Cody Rhodes, I will literally throw something at the television. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's, it's lather, rinse, repeat at that point. Yeah. You know exactly. Like we could easily have someone else be attacked and Cody Rhodes say, like, you know, like the Triple H model works pretty well it's not always Triple H who gets attacked sometimes it's someone close to Triple H or sometimes it's someone coming in Billy Big Bollocks and you know I'm, I'm here to take over and Triple H goes oh you you know you don't think so do you I am <laughs> <laughs> the game by Billy Conley in this scenario <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna take over <laughs> oh well, unfortunately, it was a defeat for America last night, but Ooh. what the hell was that? It was a boo. It was a light boo. <laughs> boo. 
<laughs> Definitely wasn't a squeaky chair. <laughs> but on a, what I thought was possibly the funniest thing of last night's show, MJF's parents in the crowd wearing t-shirts saying, don't worry, we also oh, think he's I love them so much. His mum needs to be a regular fixture on television. In fact, what I want is MJF and Wardlow with MJF's mum in their corner versus the best friends with Sue in their corner. That is what I was going to say, mums unite. We're, talk, we're talking about having another women's title soon. It's a women's tag title. And they're going to be called the best mums. Oh my God. And MGS mum. And can they have Miro's old theme music? Yes. Can they have that? And I'll be like, I'm the best. I'm the best mums. Like, it's just inserts like this. Like, something's just clearly dubbed over, like that line in the song. And then they just come out to that. That would be fantastic. I'd be all for that. Um, and not a very EW thing to do. But I would happily see Sue and MJF's mum versus Vicky in a handicap match. I think that'd be very entertaining. <laughs> Sue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he took on uh, Brian Pillman Jr. The build-up to this match, some of the disgusting heel tactics by uh, MJF, and then to add insult to injury, he gets the win via submission. Ah, brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. And the thing is, like, I've got a, I've got a slight bone to pick here, Ross, because um, I remember 2006, and people have been going on about it ever since, about when Randy Orton did the, the promo, Eddie's not in heaven, he's down there in hell, and everyone's like, that's disgusting. That is disgusting. How dare you? How dare you? And then MGF does the same thing about Brian Pillman. And everyone's like, oh my God, he's God's gift to wrestling. How how great is MGF? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just sort of like, ah, a bit double standards there, folks. You know what I mean? And I'm either way, I thought both were brilliant. But let's just let's just call it as we see it. But I think MGF is by far the best heel in professional wrestling right now. I absolutely adore him. The scarf is is the most dick scarf on the planet. Like, he is the biggest dick on the planet, and that is what makes him so fantastic. He's like Miz on steroids. And I will say this for Brian Pillman Jr. I'm not his biggest fan. I don't think that he's got the promo work quite there yet. I don't think he understands the, the character he's playing quite yet. I don't think that having the weight of his father's sort of legacy name on him has helped because when I hear the name Brian Pillman, it's a very specific thing that I see in my mind's eye. It's a very specific character that I'm looking for. And when I see Brian Pillman Jr. wrestle and cut promos, it feels a bit bland. So I do think that the best work he has done up until this point was in this feud against MGF. But I would like to see him elevate his game to the next level as MGM goes on to hopefully face off against another challenger now and enter into another programme. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously the main event, you mentioned the women main event and obviously still not as important as America's favourite champion returning. Um, <laughs> uh, Ruby Soho against uh, Britt Baker. Liked what they done. This much like the time limit draw. Um, Ruby Soho looks like a threat, but she loses the match because the numbers catch up with her. Yeah, that's the right thing to do. Britt Baker is 
She is to the AEW women's division what John Cena was to WWE for a long time. And I know that's a really big thing to say, but since day one, that belt should have been on Britt Baker. Since day one, this should have been her character. This should have been the approach they take it with. Because there is no one in wrestling currently who is a better all-rounder than Baker, I think, in terms of she can match her promo game with her in-ring work, with her look, with her music, with her relationship with the fans. Like, she's a perfect pillar of the AEW women's division. Perfect. I don't think there's anything you can do to improve Britt Baker. What I want to say, like, that, that's not news, but what is news for me is the night and day between Ruby Soho in AEW and Ruby Riot, as she was known in WWE, she has come in and made herself the boss man of this division. She's made herself the ultimate babyface. And I think that this match was perfect. So perfect because, like you say, it was a great match. But the way it ended made her look so strong. And it means that this feud isn't ending. And I think that's good news for us all. Because the only thing I'd say outside of these two in the AEW women's division, there isn't anyone quite on Baker's level. So they need to make sure they draw this out with Soho in a way that's satisfying as they look to build other talent up in the meantime in that division. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of things you can do, obviously, with the numbers advantage. And as long as Soho keeps winning, but only losing to Britt Baker in certain circumstances... Mm-hmm. Then you can you can build up even build up to a women's cage match. You know what I mean? Oh, no interference, 100%. no one's allowed in, yeah. and that's when she gets her big win. Absolutely, really enjoyed it. Great episode of Dynamite. Um, some rumors here I'm seeing about, and it's talks within WWE that they're keen to convince Walter to stay in NXT US. I think that they should. Because <laughs> if I was WWE, I would be trying the exact same thing because uh, Walter has done all he can in NXT UK and he did what he could during the pandemic era, worked with what he had, but it was getting so stale. He needs new people to work with, he needs new feuds and I understand not wanting to relocate. If he doesn't want to relocate though, I think WWE should say, well Walter, I think it's time you go. And you can do other things in Europe because I am not interested anymore in seeing Volter in NXT UK. There's only so many times that him and Ilya Dragunov can face off before it gets stale. I would love to see Volter in NXT 2.0 going up against uh, Mr. Breaker, for example. You know what I mean? I would love mm-hmm. to see Volter going up against Tommaso Ciampa. Again, for that NXT title, if you know what I'm saying, how good would that be? I'd love a rematch with Pete Dunne. I'd love to see him against Kyle O'Reilly. I think there's so many people who he could match up with really, really well in NXT US and even in the main roster if they chose to move him there instead. Um, Yeah, I think let's move him up because you can't have a brand built around him in NXT UK for too long before it gets boring. And it was at the stage where it was getting boring. No, no, I absolutely agree. Um, So the WWE draft is coming up October, I believe it's October 3rd, is it not? Yeah, I think so. October 3rd, October 10th. uh, Just go and double check. Around that time, I think it might be 
it starts on the if it starts in the SmackDown, the next SmackDown is October first or October eighth, and then the Raw would be October fourth, I believe. Ah, as yeah, October October first and October fourth. Yeah, right. Um, and one of the rumors going about is Edge to Raw, a upcoming events of showing Edge as a Raw superstar instead of SmackDown. Does that mean? Does that mean Seth Rollins is moving back to Raw or for a maybe a blow-off match? Or do you think the two matches are done and Edge, with his limited schedule and limited time left in the ring, is going to move on to a different feud on Raw? Yeah, he's put Rollins over. You know what I mean? He's done what he had to do. I don't think there's anything left. What, what more do you want out of Edge versus Rollins? Do you want them to have another match when we're seeing it already and for Edge to win? Or would you prefer them to leave it at what I believe is win a piece? And Seth Rollins has got the upper hand in the end, the younger talent, the younger guy who should be getting the rub. And I honestly believe that there's so many matches on Raw. We don't know what the state of Raw is going to be after the draft, so we can't comment too heavily. But there are there other talents I'd like to see Edge go up against. Drew McIntyre is one of them. AJ Styles is another one. Sami Zayn is someone I'd like to see him face. Cesaro, for example. You know what I mean? Edge wants to ha have matches with as many of these guys as he can before he calls it a day. And I think to spend more time on the feud with Rollins when we already had such a drawn-out feud with Randy Orton would be misguided on WWE's part. Fair enough. Again, fair enough. That's. Um, <laughs> no, no, I I agree. I don't I don't disagree with what you're saying. I I wouldn't be against a third match, but if we know Edge has got a limited amount of time, I'd really like to. You know, I'd quite like to see if WWE had something like a G1, a, mm. like a sort of style tournament like that, yeah. where Edge could wrestle every, once every two weeks or once every three weeks. You know, yeah, because. It would have to be put together on WWE TV. The G1 is like, you know, every two days the guys are wrestling, but we could spread Edge's matches out over every three weeks and have him go up against as much of the new blood as possible. That would be quite cool, but fortunately WWE don't have that. Um, something you said to me about the draft, uh, I don't know where you'd seen this, David. It was talking about apparently top stars are going to be able to go in between brands. Yeah, seen it was Cultaholic who were reporting it that WWE were wanting to change the rules of the draft. Um, it was very vague on what was actually being discussed about top stars being able to go between brands because I wanted to flag it up, uh, Ross, for us to discuss it because I think that it's a total horseshit idea. Um, so this is my opinion. It, it. It's essentially Raw Super Show, the superstar like talent exchange or yeah what, what was the one in 2019 oh god that that one was the worst of them all um the wild card rule um, wild card yeah oh and that was I hate it. it ended up just being like like revival who were a raw won the smackdown tag titles you're like why i know and it's stupid it's so stupid and if they don't want to do the brand split end the brand split okay End the brand split if you don't want yeah. to do it. Do not give me an in-between. I like the brand split. I like what it can do. and what uh, For me, they should have the separate pay-per-views. I think that the separate pay-per-views worked really well and have the big ones where they come together. Like They should feel like different shows. Like Instead of this 
and I don't mind it doing occasionally. I liked that Reigns and the Bloodline showed up this week to have those matches on Raw. I mean, for a very entertaining Raw when it's done once in a blue moon. But if you're going to tell me for the sake of desperate ratings that you're just going to have Roman Reigns who's on SmackDown jump over to Raw every week just for one wee segment, then you're barking mad. I, I don't think that that's something they should do. And if they do do it, what's the point in the draft in the first place? Yeah, no, I know. I know. It's um, like part of the fun of the brand split is the fact that you don't see the same people playing, like facing each other constantly. And Survivor Series has got a new lease on life thanks to the brand split. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And that's the thing with I wish they wouldn't have the draft so close to Survivor Series as well because now it's going to be like Drew McIntyre, oh, I'm fighting for SmackDown. Mate, you've been on Raw since 2018. You know what I mean? Like, like what yeah. does that make sense? Like, don't have it so close to Survivor Series, man. That it just, it's, it's nonsensical to me. Like, the original date for it, I believe, was much closer to SummerSlam, which I would have preferred. But for me, the draft should come very close to it's after WrestleMania as possible, because then that gives you a lot of time until Survivor Series comes around for you to actually do something with it. I think the first pay-per-view after WrestleMania should be exactly four weeks away so we don't have time to hit a lull. And then the Raw and SmackDown after, that's the draft. No, not even the Raw and SmackDown after. The Raw after. And then we can have all the SmackDown guys that are moving to Raw lose to people who are coming over to SmackDown, put them over on their way out, and then you are six weeks removed from WrestleMania and you've had a good old shake-up. Yeah, exactly. And it makes sense to do it then. It makes total sense to do it then. It doesn't make sense to go through the rest of the year. Well, it's, but the reason they'll never do that, Ross, is the WrestleMania revenge tours that they do. Because people want uh, to see the WrestleMania rematches and how that gets house show money in, you know? suppose. But also, like, something... Something... Uh, the people have clamoured for NXT, you know, I think... Not now that it's NXT 2.0, I think that's going to be its own thing again. But NXT certainly last year, I think, could have benefited from being involved in the draft. Mm. And, you know, they never did it properly, but the three-brand um, sort of split made it a bit more... Unpro- like, oh, God, is it going to be from Raw or ECW? SmackDown gets a pick from, you know what I mean? Yeah. And no, you always knew when someone moved from ECW to Raw or SmackDown, big things were happening for them. And when someone moved to ECW... They always got a wee bit of a, a wee bit of a push because it was a big guy put on ECW to get people to watch. Oh, 100%. I believe it was when Buddy Kane went over and Matt Hardy went over and they got those pushes as well. And even before he died, when Benoit was drafted uh, to ECW as well, like he was meant to be the main event player in that, uh, that brand because of that. So you look at the history of that and I think you're right. I think the most we're going to see NXT involvement this time will be call-ups from NXT to the main roster. My predictions for that would be Io Shirai, I think, will end up getting called up to the main roster uh, in this draft. And I believe, Ross, Ross, let me talk to you because night time is the right time. (laughs) L.A. Night will be coming up to the main roster for me. Uh, And I believe, I said this the other day, that man deserves the world. He's he's the best. Whose draft is it? Whose draft is it? It's L.A. Nice. Nice. He's got the very 
he's got the very mid nineties deep voiced shouty rock yeah. thing about him. Like it's not the cool current Hollywood rock, it's the sideburns and sunglasses and, and the rock says. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. But he's he is a throwback, but he's a good type of throwback. Like he yeah. should be he should be I said this on Twitter to someone the other day, he should be the one to break uh, honky tonk man's IC, IC title. Oh, records. yes. And then when Absolutely it gets too close superb. to the time, Honky should come and do something with him. Like in the similar way they did with Ted in NXT. Because he's the type of character who is serious and you can take legit as a legitimate star and wrestler. But he's also the type of guy who can have fun with at the same time and it doesn't devalue him. Like, get that strap on him, keep it on, and then get some honky-tonk shenanigans in the, in the, in the, in the uh, coming up for LA night. That's what I want. You know, someone else, and I don't think there's a limit to how he can be pushed. In fact, I think he can go to the moon. <laughs> I think he should be called up as well, by the way. Oh, uh, do you know what I'd love? And you're going to hate me for saying this and you're going to think I'm stupid, but hear me out. Cameron Grimes buys the 24-7 title and we get weekly segments with Cameron Grimes just gathering security forces from other, like, 24-7 superstars to protect him and it becomes, he basically becomes like a mafioso of the 24-7 division <laughs> <laughs> see that was that, there's no roster in WWE now like that we need people coming up from NXT now that there's this 2.0 thing we've got a whole new wave of characters coming in to come up and that will beef up the roster again but see when WWE is holding talent they th- that would have been the perfect time to do that because you could have had people trying so hard to get there and people like maybe AC, EC3 taking the money and being like, you know what, I'm here for the money now. Yeah, 100%. And they still could do it. Like Maverick yeah, could, uh, like, no, to be fair, Maverick, I think, would be leading up the resistance to Grimes. You know what I mean? It would be it would be him, Truth and Gulag, like similar to what's happening on TV just now, just sort of trying to plot against Grimes. Like, how can we do this? How can we beat him? And I, I think, like, the 24-7 title has been so poorly handled because it's just been boring like give me like a pure wacky storyline with that thing you know what I mean have Cameron Grimes like drown himself like the like the lord of the 24-7 division and just like run wild with it because that's what you need to do with something that silly yeah and get it off Reggie because it was funny the first week the the dive bombing over people and all that yeah. but like put it this way I watched uh, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings and that bus scene is great but I didn't like if it was just two hours of that bus scene I'd be like yeah. this is dragging on a bit it's like, too, much of a good, too much of a good thing you know what I mean yeah. um, ruins it and I think to be honest like where are all the women in the 24-7 division like it should be an intergender title like I, yeah. I really want to see like Natty and Tamina maybe move over there and do something with it like the iconic should have been like 70 time uh 24-7 champions between oh, them amazing. you know what i mean like and that's 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 what i'm talking about ross is they have run out of ingenuity when it comes to the 24-7 title you have everything that you can do with that belt is there at your fingertips and you're missing opportunities i think yeah well um speaking of this past week's raw uh dave Meltzer claimed a mass walkout during the Alexa Bliss um, Charlotte segment. Melts are claiming over 1,500 people 
walked out of the show uh, during this Bliss segment. Alexa Bliss has said he's a liar. Um, it seems every week we talk about Dave Meltzer having a pop at someone. Yeah. Um, 1,500 people walking out of Raw seems like a lot. <laughs> Considering I believe it was like, like not that many in the arena to start with. And I think that Meltzer is just a bit of a moron who will hear something and then just report it if it's something he doesn't like. And clearly he doesn't like the Charlotte Bliss uh, rivalry. And there are people out there who who really, really is not their bag, man. Um, it's not their bag. And they're no having it. But at the end of the day, mate, like, check something's accurate before you go on your podcast, which is different if I say something that's wrong and central. Because we don't have 10,000, 20,000 people listening to it. There are people who hang on Dave Meltzer's every word and take it as gospel. So there has to be a responsibility with his reporting. And if he's getting it wrong and just, oh, I heard this and saying it flippantly, of course people are going to get pissed off because he's been a bit of a sexist pig in the past as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just reading the um, the tweet. So apparently there was 8,000 fans there. According to Meltzer, 1,500 walked out. Uh, Alexa Bliss tweeted out, Sorry Meltzer, or whatever, you can't get clout off her segment. Move on. Hashtag stop lying. Hashtag literally didn't happen. Hashtag you're embarrassing yourself. Uh, multiple fans in attendance have dismissed the report. Well, Brian Alvarez noted on Wrestling Observer Live today that a number of fans who had walked out was closer to 700 multiple fans in attendance insist that this did not happen. While some fans may have left the arena early to beat the traffic like usual, there was no mass exodus at 10pm during the Bliss Flare segment. Yeah, 100%. Essentially, he's a lying bastard. Yeah, he's got it wrong. And he needs to get a grip. Well, that just about wrap, uh, wraps us up for this week. But Every week we've started doing Campbell's question. We didn't ask you to do it, David, but you did it, and we are doing it <laughs> on the show. Uh, you're here live, so would you like to read out your own damn question for a change? You want you want me to read out my own question. I think that that is absolutely ridiculous, but now I've managed to load it up in my computer, I will do it. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so my question for this week was, uh, Rosario Dawson, Logan Paul, Bad Bunny, there's been a lot of celebrity involvement in wrestling recently, but which celebrity would you most like to see get involved with the wrestling? Kwaku uh, Aji said he would like to see KSI and AEW um, and I, he wants to see him have a roast off with MGF. I think that would be a good one. Um, Jack says he would like Logan Paul to come back with Happy Corbin, uh, flaunting how rich they are. And he said that Bad Bunny is also welcome back anytime. Uh, and he wants to see the Impractical Jokers involved in some 24 7 shenanigans as well. That'd be a good thing oh, for that division. That'd be brilliant. We've just been talking about that. You know, that'd be something good for that division. Uh, Hockney wants to see Bad Bunny back. And he said, if WWE did KSI versus Logan Paul 3, then it needed to be a stipulation match. And he would like to see a hair versus hair uh, between those two. It would be nice. Uh, Alan says he wants to see The Rock in AEW for the sheer shithousery of it uh, and to face off with MGF. Um, 
And then he was saying that he'd like to see Bad Bunny versus Kanye West in a cage match. Uh, then Brock Lesnar coming out and destroying Kanye. Like Kanye has destroyed music for so many of us. Alan throwing shade at the pro- former presidential nominee there. Um, <laughs> Grant McRobbie wants to see Tony Starr in AEW, Homelander to put Homelander in his place. Uh, I'll let you decide if he's talking about Cody going over or under on that one. Uh, as far as Cody is concerned, he would beat the fuck out of Tony Starr probably and not think twice about it. Uh, Robert Meekham says it surely has to be Conor McGregor. I'd like to see him no. in a rope similar. Nope. <laughs> Not for Ross, but he wants to see him similar. Time to use Chuck Norris at Survivor Series. Alan Laurie says Ryan Reynolds versus Hugh Jackman. But let them loose and let them watch the promos get dark as fuck. Uh, Alan Lucas added he'd like to see Santino Morella as a special guest referee in that match. Uh, Stephen Wilson is trying to get me have a hard-on because he, he says Timothy Chalamet <laughs> would make sense because Dune is coming out and he has a love for Batista. Uh, he has then said that Hayley Williams uh, tried to get Bailey to use one of her songs at Mania 36. So that'd be a cool way to get Bailey return amazing. I don't didn't take in anything I said after Timothy Chalamet there. What a dreamboat. Scott McLeod, your brother, says bring back Stephen Amell. Your brother um, is, a, is a bad day. Oh, oh, my... Mind you, I've got a brother, Ross. Oh, fuck, I completely forgot that. Listen, I'm just trying to help you out here, all right? I know that you have a tendency to be forgetful. Scott is your brother, and I am the better <laughs> man. Uh, but Scott, <laughs> he says, bring back Stephen Amell, Hawkeye himself. Um, and Scott says that they should have it. Harold, you did that deliberately. <laughs> Pretend to be Cody's pal, and uh, then turn on him. Amel is the hero. We really need Sarah Grieve seconds that as well. Being a big Stephen Amel fan, uh, Ross, do you have anyone in mind, a celebrity you'd like to see getting involved? Well, Stephen Amel was in AEW last night, I believe. He was it, Punk hugged him uh, on his way up the ramp after his promo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, let's think who else. I don't know. I don't know. You Glasgow show we Alfredo Morelos to get involved. I just love his wee face. I love him so much. <laughs> Jesus, do we want uh, Alfredo Morelos versus Ange Postacoglu? Uh, I think I think would be a good one uh, to see live uh, for the fans there. Um, I think I'm going to go. I think I'll go Serena Williams. I think would be the big one. And I think Serena Williams would probably do it when she's retired because she's the type of star who makes all our money through tennis she can't do tennis forever and she's a big enough name in sport that it would be probably legitimate for her to come in and do something in WWE you know and have a match with someone at a pay-per-view like can you imagine Serena Williams versus Stephanie McMahon for example I think that would be pretty cool big meaty woman Slapping me, <laughs> you know. Stephanie goes for the pedigree, and she just fucking forearms her to the face like she's swinging a tennis racket. You know what I mean? That'd be class. Oh, I'm trying to think who else I'd like to see get involved. I, I can't even think. Yeah, it's a tough. It's, it's always one of those questions one. when you get put on the spot. Every celebrity goes at your mind, but then you see people. <laughs> really, you'd be a great wrestler. Yeah. Nah, and it needs to be someone who can bring the entertainment value as well. Like I've always, and someone who appreciates it. Like maybe like an Andy Samberg might be great to come and have a wee oh, run. Oh yes, you know, uh, like the entire Brooklyn Nine Nine cast would be good. Like I think Teddy Cruz could do some good work if he was brought in uh, to WWE to do to do something because he has the comedy chops as well as that massive physicality. Like he's a big guy. Um, and then that aside. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You know what I'd really like? Kelsey Grammer is somebody's manager. 
Oh my God, he would be fantastic. Like Scott, Scott McLeod, who is your brother, uh, I think would have, would have an absolute field day with that one. It would be mental. I love how like Scott is, is, is sort of, with this Fraser thing, it's taken a Gary term. Well, I started it, Gary took it and ran with it, and oh everyone's like, God. Oh, Gary's obsessed with this. Uh, oh, you need, you need to get, I, I, get no, obsessed. No, 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 I, I need to, to, I need to, to I need to, I need to put this out there. Scott McLeod, right? See, when I was moving out, right? Bear in mind, both the Cheers and Fraser box sets are mine. They weren't mm-hmm. Christmas presents. They weren't birthday presents. I bought them myself. Mm-hmm. And because no one loves me, and God <laughs> <laughs> said to me as I was moving out, "Yeah, you can take the Cheers box set if you want, but I'm keeping the Fraser one." What? You fucking think so? Well, the <laughs> thing, the thing is, you just sound bitter, uh, Ross. To be honest, it's not anyone's fault that you can't get phrases over. You know, other people get them over. Sarah got historic over. Gary oh, got better over. Scott got <laughs> Scott got Fraser no, no, over. No, 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 I no, got no, Roscoe no. over. There's the list is endless, really. When oh. you think about it. <laughs> no, no, historic got over. Sarah didn't like it, so then she decided. Oh well, I'm, I'm just, now that it's popular, I'm going to say it's my thing. She just is her thing. Christian, <laughs> I'm going to say it. She's a fake Christian fan. She's oh. a fake. God, you're a brave man. And I, I, I guess what? Guess what? Another big rumor: Scott's always preferred the Undertaker. Oh my God! What are you going to say next? That Derek actually doesn't like the Dudley Boys? How dare you, sir? Just saying. I've saw Derek. Know, I heard that Daniel Boys Campbell t-shirt. actually despises Jar Jar Binks as well. <laughs> And he's not. He doesn't actually like quizzes. He's never seen an episode of. <laughs> I heard that Daniel Campbell doesn't write his own questions. Let me tell you that. <laughs> well, he doesn't for the upcoming quiz showdown fourteen TV show edition. Ah, that's hosted by yours truly. All questions written by yours truly. All Stop the editing the and the <laughs> all the editing and hard work behind the scenes that that was someone else but that was that's always someone you. else you've never edited in your life oh no <laughs> i'm like jericho monkeys in the truck roll the footage <laughs> <laughs> anyway before i crack open another beer and start calling people phonies like ryan gallagher's never supported selling he's never that's been too yet. far that's too start far throwing accusations at people oh god <laughs> ryan gallagher man he call you out in his capital radio show for that <laughs> what oh i i hate it so much see um see when i'm in work yeah and the video's on and i'm trying to do my work and forget that i'm part of this 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 podcast filled to charlatans and next minute all I hear is producer Ryan what do you think about that and then I hear Ryan <laughs> Ryan with his telephone voice going well actually I was I was out with my fiance Danielle at the weekend and <laughs> amazing and they always put the the wee questions on Instagram and I always answer them uh, so it's like I'm always like the first one to answer them whenever they pop up. So I don't even I really listen to the radio, so I don't know if mine get read out, but I hope they do because they asked for an inspirational quote today. And I quote, "Do you remember the episode of Zach and Cody with the the life coach guy who came in?" So I wrote, "Spread your wings and aim for the sky, because you are the pilot of your own life." <laughs> 
Have you ever seen a uh, Joe Lysett bullshit quotes I've made up? Oh no, but it sounds funny. <laughs> I it, like him. He's so someone's like uh, it, it was like a, it, it was an inspirational quote. It was like four plus three equals seven, but so does five plus two. Sometimes your way might be different, but the answer will be the same. <laughs> and something like that, and he put up. Sometimes the self-service checkout takes as long as the regular checkout. Follow your own path. <laughs> anyway, Johnny, before we get into more liable, outrageous, <laughs> just downright weird things said, and before I get fired from this podcast, which I think's already happened, <laughs> oh, hours ago. we're going to wrap up, and I'm going to say thank you, David Campbell. Yeah, it'll be months, maybe a year before I'm invited back again, but I do enjoy our chats, Ross. It was fun. <laughs> I imagine Stephen looks at these shows like Mrs. McGonagall. Why, when there's always trouble, is it always you too? <laughs> <laughs> I've been Ross McLeod. I'll be back next week, hopefully. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Hello, I am Jack Graham. I am Scott McLeod. And I'm David Hockney. And you can catch us hosting one of the greatest shows in the history of podcasts, Saturday Draft Live. You can tune in every Saturday to find out who on the ESSR has the best chance of winning the current season of our fantasy draft. As always, you can catch Saturday Draft Live on all good podcasting platforms. <laughs>